welcome to Trek Companion. This is episode 218. I'm your host, Brian Williams. I'm Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we're discussing Voyager's fourth season episodes, The Omega Directive, Unforgettable, and Living Witness. Here we go. The Omega Directive, Season 4, Episode 21, Production Code 189, Original Air Date, April 15th, 1998, Directed by Victor Lobel, Story by Jimmy Diggs and Steve J.K., Teleplay by Lisa Klink, Music Composed by Paul Belergen. Guest cast include Jeff Austin as Alos and Kevin McCorkle as Alien Captain. Voyager is suddenly rocked by a distant explosion. Although ship systems appear undamaged, all information and control screens are suddenly locked and display an anonymous Omega signal. Janeway arrives on the bridge and instructs the crew not to worry. She orders the ship's computer to override the lockout and transfers all sensor data to her ready room, but leaves without explaining to her bemused crew. Some claimed Omega was the primal source of energy for the explosion that began our universe. A creation myth like any other. Perhaps. What is it the Borg say? That Omega is perfect? Yes. Is that a theory or a belief? Omega Directive. Here's an episode that I I think I like the idea of this episode, maybe a little bit more than the actual realization. But it is an episode that I remember better than a lot of the others, and that's always worth something. Uh, Steve, why don't you kick us off on? Yeah, um, I kind of agree with that assessment. I think I think the the, the notion is interesting. I mean, from the get go, you're kind of like, huh? Okay, um, this idea of something that's that secret, and all these, you know, this idea that all the all captains are aware of it, and they have this mission. You know, and what what do you do when you're out of touch with uh, the the specialty teams that would come assist you in that thing? Um, I think it. I think I mean I think the interesting parts are. Um, how um, that idea plus how uh, Seven deals with it, this notion of the Borg seeing as perfection. I, I think the idea of that, just like you said before, I think the idea of that is better than how they pulled it off. Because at some point it feels a little like, how, I'm not really buying this. How, how I don't even understand how a, a molecule, whatever this means and how perfect it would be, would entice any species to this kind of worship of it or something. But whatever. And, I, and the science doesn't really make sense for this either. Um, but anyway, um, so ultimately the crew coming together heard, you know, kind of breaking the rules so they can take care of this. Um, that's interesting, but I, yeah, I think overall I'd say that it, it's, it's just mediocre because you have an interesting idea that's just doesn't really come off as fantastic in the end or something. Yeah. Um, I think I would pretty much agree. I think, um, I think part of it, there's so much setup for this particle. You know, there's this secret directive that only the captain knows. The crew is like, what's going on here? Nobody knows anything about this directive except the captain, you know, and it's very, um, it's very strange for everybody and it's kind of strange for the audience. And then, you know, we go into the spirituality of that with the Borg. This is their beliefs and, you know, they, the show kind of touches on that a little bit. So it sets this particle up and it sets the end up to have this really kind of big, um, ending or at least that's what it kind of feels like and uh, the ending's kind of corny you know it's just seven looking at this kind of graphic <laughs> computer generated graphic all these little dots coming together so i don't know the ending was a little bit corny for me it just didn't hold up to the, all the setup they had for this so that's kind of, i think kind of i think steve and i kind of agree that it's a good idea just i don't know i don't just think it, i don't think it came out 
maybe not the way they intended or just didn't happen. I wonder how this works like practically. Like as soon as you're it sounds like I'm setting up a joke. I'm not. <laughs> I mean this. Uh, as, as soon as you're pinned like captain, does somebody take you into room and says, "All right, so there's a, you know like like when 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 Cisco got his captain pip right, did they take him into a room and then explain <laughs> the mega directive? No, no, no. You know, there's no, what other things are there that like you don't find out until you're a captain? Things that do they have to tell you and that they wouldn't tell you until you know you're a captain. Yeah, if you're demoted, I don't know. Do they have to kill you? Yeah, what do they I mean, do? What's the deal? So, what happens if Jacoté becomes captain? Like, does the yeah? I thought, that, I thought that, that scene when when Janeway is explaining one of two things are going to happen: uh, our shuttlecraft is going to be destroyed, or you're going to have to warp away, or we're going to come back successful, or our shuttlecraft will be destroyed, and you've got to warp away. I thought she was going to say, um, like, if if our shuttlecraft is destroyed and and I die, the computer is going to give you a briefing about this and then because you will be the captain so you'll have to know this information and you'll have to try and you'll find out then i thought that's what she was going to getting at but that wasn't it at all (laughs) (laughs) yeah and it had to be pretty uh there had to be a lot of uh contingencies built into that right because someone could be acting captain for a long time you know i mean uh, how long are you acting captain before you get the briefing right because you know someone could like be out with the flu for a week in there, that's not worth the Omega Directive, probably, you know, learning I mean, that. You would but, think mm, so, but... Then it could happen, and then they're and you're screwed, because who's going to... Yeah, there's, there's a lot of problems. Hey Brian, I'm going to give my lame-ass Game of Thrones joke. <laughs> they, they get a raven. A raven automatically is sent with all the information they have. It just knows when a new captain is on a new on a ship. I'm sure all our listeners that watch Game of Thrones are laughing really hard. Right now. <laughs> they're shaking their heads in disappointment. Well, you know, you know, I think I, th- I think where this kind of missed it is that, um, and, and and granted, maybe this is a little more like how television episodic television is written now than it was back in back then. But um, it's like they try to just touch all these different points and and keep all this plot based stuff that gets a little tedious and tiresome when in reality kind of the interesting part is you know pick something you know if you're gonna have one episode pick either how this affects seven try to explore in some kind of reasonable way how a whole species would essentially worship a molecule or for me what's more interesting is the idea that a captain is ordered to keep you know something secret and handle it all themselves and then you're in a situation where you have to come together as a team to do something and you just basically break the rules and and just give in to the situation and then you come together better, you know, something like that and become more about that than it is the logistics of let's go take care of this thing because it really is kind of um, anticlimactic in a way because, you know, essentially it's all this great thing. And and like Adam was saying, you you know, so seven's revelation comes to this, this little fun little graphic on a screen and she's going to, you know, she's having a spiritual moment and we destroy it and whoopie do, you know, I mean, I don't know. I like, I, I like having, you know, Janeway have a certain plan, and we have the scene where Chakotay tr- tries to talk her out of doing it and tries to get her to have the senior staff and the whole ship help. And instead of ending like we're used to seeing that sort of scene where she's like, no, you know, she's like, okay. I feel like there was another moment similar to that in another episode we're going to discuss today. But, yeah, I did like that. I made a note about it because it's so rare for her to get yeah, in. You know, know I mean, like, that's, that's his yeah. whole purpose, his yeah. job. You know, and it's nice when they when that sort of thing uh, works and happens. So, so I added my notes. So it seems like all season long, they've been trying to set up, set this up, this 
not necessarily a relationship between Kim and Seven, but they have a lot of scenes together, you know, just kind of, you know, workmate scenes. Well, they're funny. That's they're funny, why. yeah. And this one, I don't know, this one was kind of, a, I don't know, it just wasn't as funny for me, you know, having Seven, you know, you know, take control and her way. I don't know. It just didn't play off for me. Maybe because I, I didn't feel it was a light enough moment. I, I don't know. I just wanted to see what you guys thought about, you know, their relationship throughout. Yeah, this it season. doesn't work so well when, when she's just being a jerk, you know, it, it needs to be where, where she's got him, you know, on the back of his feet, stammering, that sort of, that sort of situation out of her just purely being honest that's the situation where it's funny and it works Um, you know it's like insight into maybe not so much Kim but humanity Uh, but in that scene where she's given the humans designations I mean it puts a smirk on your face for a second but it's not understandably that just makes Kim mad what Star Trek fan doesn't sit up in their chair when they hear Janeway say for the duration of this mission, the prime directive is rescinded. You know, that's yeah, just that concept. Yeah. That's that gets your dang attention, right? Mm-hmm. That's crazy. I feel like what they were going for in this episode was for this entire episode to make you think that way or feel that, way. and I really didn't. And I think that's where that maybe the episode doesn't work so well. And that's why, well, getting back to what I said at the beginning, which it sounds like you guys kind of agree with, I like the idea of this episode maybe a little more than the actual realization, because I didn't have that feeling, the holy crap feeling for much of this episode. I really just had it when she delivered that one line. It's, it's an interesting concept, too, that, that what makes this molecule so dangerous isn't so much the fact that it can wipe out, you know, some big explosion kind of thing, but that it can have the effect of making it so that you can't travel at warp in large swaths of space. That's the, that's the part that makes it such a powerful molecule to be feared. And it's interesting that that is the case. You know, it just reminds you of how all of of you know the 24th century this entire civilization the, the federation starfleet all of humanity and all these other races they're all just entirely based around uh the invention of and need for warp speed and without it zero of these things happen right this culture doesn't mm-hmm. exist right right well they, they only touched on that really one other one in next gen there was a was that corridor that they couldn't go through and all the anomalies. Yeah. yeah you had to, did you have to limit yourself to under warp five or something? I don't even think you had to. Yeah. It wasn't that you had to limit yourself to like impulse. You just had to li- limit yourself to like a lower warp speed. Right. Right. Yeah, this, on, yeah. this is saying nada, right. This is saying you can't right at all. And it's not even a choice. You, at least in the next gen thing, if it was an emergency, you could go ahead and do it right. here. They're saying this, this molecule would, could make it so that you couldn't mm-hmm. period mm-hmm. so that's you know again that's the kind of thing where only like a star trek person seeing that scene is gonna say oh well that's a big deal right mm-hmm. but it is a big deal it's just that the episode again doesn't quite realize that to me i could potentially put it into the series i mean you know if they can't get home what else are we gonna watch them setting up a shop on that planet <laughs> What's this episode about? Um, I think Steve kind of touched on it a little bit. I mean, I, I can, you know, when he said it, I kind of, I agree with him. I didn't think about it that way where he was saying, you know, they should have just chosen one way or the other, you know, they got it. They get into the little bit of the spirituality of, um, 
and belief systems of cultures, not, you know, humans and, you know, even the Borg, you know, the Borg have this belief system in this perfect particle because the harmoniousness of it attracts them. So, like I said, they get into other, you know, species belief systems, but they don't, it's more like they just scratch the surface. They don't really delve into it, which would be an interesting episode, I think, you know, to have Seven explore her spirituality, but it doesn't really go that far in this episode. And then obviously you have, um, you know, the doomsday, you know, weapon or particle that, you know, trust, everybody has to trust in Janeway and that she knows what she's doing and she's the captain. Yeah, I think it just, it spreads itself thin because it touches on spirituality, it touches on perfection, touches on, you know, coming together as a team to accomplish a mission, touches on when do you have to break the rules to keep, you know, but it's it's so, so many things that it doesn't, doesn't really flesh out any of them and so it's not it's not awful it just doesn't have a focus you know all right let's do six degrees for the omega directive steve are you going first or second i'll go first jeff austin plays the alien scientist alos he played a bullying security officer in the ds9 episode the adversary this was the final episode of which season of ds9 hmm okay gosh Trying to remember context or some clue here to the title or something. That's uh, um, this is the episode I remember telling this story way back when we talked about it. But uh, there is a scene with a couple changelings fighting, and I'll say skip the story as to why. But I ended up watching the like ten or fifteen seconds of that episode on a loop accidentally for like a really long time. <laughs> the lines are just seared into my brain. Seared into my brain. The scene. So that was a little bit of a hint. Oh, gosh. Well, anyway. I don't know. Second. No. Uh, should I give Adam a chance? Sure. Adam? End of which season? Mm-hmm. Um, season five. No, season three. It's the final episode of season three. Odo is fighting a changeling and accidentally kills one. Okay. Which is a pretty significant thing later mm-hmm. in the series. That's right. Remember, they're going to make him a human for one season after that. Yes. So let's see, Adam. How many other times has a captain rescinded the Prime Directive? How many other times? Mm-hmm. It's a small number. Um, two. Very small. No. Steve? Uh, you mean like on screen that we've seen it happen or something, yeah, yeah. right? Uh, I, I can't recall. Zero? Yep, it was zero. Steve has one. Moving on. Unforgettable. Season 4, Episode 22. Production Code 190. Original air date, April 22nd, 1998. Directed by Andrew J. Robinson. Written by Greg Elliott and Michael Perricone. Music composed by Jay Chataway. Guest cast include Virginia Madsen as Kellen and Michael Canavan as Kerneth. An alien woman named Killian requests asylum aboard Voyager. She is from a race called the Ramulia, whose chemistry is such that any other race fails to remember them after a few hours and that her race is impervious to technologies such as tricorders. She claims that she was aboard Voyager a month ago to track down a Romarian fugitive, and that during that time, she and Voyager's first officer, Chakotay, fell in love. 
we've met before. If that were true, I'm sure I'd remember. No, you wouldn't. You couldn't. You see, the memories of my people can't be held in the minds of other races. When we encounter others, which we do infrequently, they remember us for a few hours. But then the memories fade away. Oh, I can't remember the name of this episode. <laughs> I'm kidding. It's unforgettable. So I do remember it. It's unforgettable. So I do remember it. This episode, I, I like this episode. Everybody loves Virginia Madison. She's very good. and Good performances and everything. I'm going to get into this in a little bit. But there's kind of like a fundamental... Like, I feel like what this episode is about, the questions it's asking, it just does a 180 <laughs> and and confuse it's confused by itself and so we're gonna get into that but uh first uh adam what are your thoughts here on unforgettable unforgettable um yes virginia madison is is excellent i'm a fan she's actually fun to watch in this episode but i think when we start getting more into this episode we're gonna be like chakotay and everybody really gets good episodes and i don't think this is a very good episode um to begin with the um the premise that the species could just be completely impervious to every kind of detection. I can kind of maybe see the memory thing, but all the technologies, you know, like what you, you know, it just, I don't know. It was just beyond, beyond me to think that um, they were that completely unforgettable. And at the end, they're like, there's going to be a computer virus in your stack in your computer. That'll make us forget it, make your computer, forget everything. I'm like, why would they even allow that to happen? So I'm the premise kind of just bothered me throughout the whole thing. That it was just kind of silly. Um, um, but the love story's interesting, you know, woman coming and, you know, you know, you can obviously feel some chemistry between Jacote and her. I mean, but Jacote's kind of had some, some bad times, especially on this show in the romantic world. So, you know, he's, he's very closed off and he's not into it, but, um, you know, you can kind of tell there's a chemistry between them and, um, it's a good story, but I don't. I think maybe I kind of agree with you. I don't really understand what the purpose of this was. Basically, everybody forgets everything in a couple of days, and we just kind of move on. It's kind of kind of a strange premise. Stephen. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the thing is, the, the, what's unfortunate here is that there there's there's a nugget or two that could really be interesting. I mean, this idea that um, okay, let's like reset things and see if this you know, blossoms into something this time and then another time. And, and, you know, there's, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot to explore there, but I, there's something about the execution of it. It just makes it, I've, I've, I made notes that I felt like in parts it just, it was just was dragging. It felt like it was something like it was trying too hard, you know? I mean, especially early yeah, on. I've always felt like this episode is uh, slow. I've always thought that. Yeah. And, and you know, she's just kind of like, well, here's what I'm doing. Here's what I'm doing here. And here's what happened between us. And let me tell you about it. And let's go on. I, I don't know. That kind of, there's got to be a better way, you know, to, to convey this stuff. I mean, again, I, I like the idea. And there's some nuggets in here. And you had that little speech with Neelix at the end. And he's saying stuff that's that's true. You know, I mean, I, th- I think there's, that's good stuff there. It's just that the, to get there and how it ultimately makes you feel, it's, it's not, it's not, you know, it's not particularly satisfying or something, you know, um, it, it's one of those hard, it's hard to pin down. It's like, yes, I agree that, that her performance is good. Um, it, there's an interesting idea here 
It's just that it kind of just goes roundabout and they mix in this whole um, plot with what's her purpose on the ship and why they go around doing what they do. And yes, it doesn't help that it's, it's absolutely ludicrous, this, you know, species that you can't, you forget about it and you can't detect them with your machines and they just put viruses in your computer. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, that's the kind of thing that we would not be talking about if it was really good, you know, like we always say, but um, you know, that, 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 that's my initial, those are my initial thoughts on it really. I like this episode well enough. I don't think it's a bad episode or anything. You know, I, I, I'd probably put it equal to um, a mega directive, but you know, when we get to living witness, I'm going to have a lot more positive things to say, but I, I like the I I don't mind the this idea of this the alien species with these pheromones that make us so you can't remember them. Yeah, there's some technical things that don't make you know that if you <laughs> examine them don't really make sense. But I mean, it's not like if if one Voyager crew member told another one about that person and then that Voyager crew member never experienced the pheromones. I mean, they shouldn't. But you know, whatever. All that stuff aside, um, I, there's something different about that concept that's or that i'm okay with that's kind of interesting i actually really like the teaser this strange woman paling chakotay by name you know that's a good teaser gets you into it but my problems with this episode are that i feel like the whole point is that they're they're trying to talk about how much like you know our feelings are natural when it's the right person she and chakotay develop feelings for each other she leaves comes back he's forgotten and she's gambling on the fact that that they respond to one another in the in this way that means they're going to rekindle that romantic relationship and they do it's i feel like that's what it's saying and then when her memory gets wiped they say actually we were wrong and i don't then i'm like well what's the point of this episode i don't get it 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 seems like it was it was taking a hundred and eighty degree turn, and you know, then you get a speech with Neelix at the end there, just trying that you know trying to explain it away. But but even if that's true, I don't. I guess I misunderstood the point of the episode, and I don't understand it. What's the point? So I guess we're getting into kind of what it's about. But and I'm you know I usually leave that to you guys, but in this case I'm <laughs> what it's about is fundamentally argues with itself and messes up the episode for me. Yeah. So that old saying, um, better to have loved and lost than never loved at all. Well, in this episode, that doesn't matter because you forget in a day. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, it's kind of, yeah. Um, yeah, I think it was kind of a wasted opportunity. I think I kind of wish they would have done a little bit more with just gone a different way with Virginia. Um, you know, they could have had her die or, you know, maybe just change her mind. Just would have kind of added a little more drama at the end. That, and you know kind of like the break the split or it's just kind of like well i don't remember you and i got to go back home well it's that it's that 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 choice of an ending you know she makes a very conscious decision she says i know you don't remember but can you give it a few days and she says no the choice to have that ending is in direct conflict with what it seemed like the episode was about to me gotcha you know and i agree with you it would have been a far better episode they could if any one of those other things had happened but her making that choice is the one choice they make they could make that seems 180 degrees the opposite from what I thought they were trying to say, what I thought they were talking about. Steve, what do you think and about this specifically? Yeah, you know, you know, I kind of think I disagree with this part because I think that I think that I'm I am bothered by a number of things in this episode in terms of the the pa- the pacing and 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 why it kind of just just 
drives you crazy by the end of it. Something about the dialogue and how, like, how it goes on and on. But I don't. I I kind of. I think I think the execution could have been better on how they did this. But in a way, I kind of like the notion of the whole love affair thing is is kismet you know like it's like you, you go along and that's like okay let's try to let's i wish they wouldn't have tried so hard you know i wish that she would come back on and it wouldn't have been as so like hey remember you should love me or something i don't know what it is this whole backstory and, and then convincing and then it works right but then it happens again but this time it doesn't work you know i don't know that i'm i'm not bothered by that in terms of it being a 180 i almost feel like the, the notion is that it's not to say it's luck, but it is circumstantial that there are that there are elements in play that you can't quite simulate every time it comes around. You know what I mean? So I, I don't I don't know that that bothers me so much because I think there's kind of there's there might be a message in that alone. You know that you could you could do this experiment several times, but you're not always going to get the same result. You know, I think to me it's more what bothers me more about it is that it just doesn't. Um, you know, I don't, I don't feel it or something. They don't spend enough time in convincing me that, well, why is he falling in love with her? What is so, what is so magical about it? What is, what is coming together that's putting it all together? Why is, what brings him to it? Cause it almost feels like she's convincing him. And then in the end, it all goes by so fast that I'm not even really, I don't even understand why it doesn't work exactly, but it doesn't, you know, I, I like the idea, but I don't, just how it's executed, I think, kind of doesn't lend itself to what they're trying to say, maybe. That's just my thoughts on it. You got any other thoughts on what it's about, Adam? Um, no, I think we've covered it. So is this episode unforgettable? <laughs> Trick question. That is the name of the episode. <laughs> All right, let's do Six Degrees for Unforgettable. Uh, Adam, are you going first or second? I suppose I'll go first. Virginia Madsen plays the lead. She's been in lots of movies, but Brian likes to take the opportunity to ask about sci-fi movies that he thinks you should have seen. Name the full title for the Highlander film she starred in. Highlander 2 blank blank. Now, I know a lot of Highlander fans loathe the second film, and I entirely understand why, but we're not talking about quality. I'm just asking for the full name. I am not a big Highlander fan, although I've seen this. <laughs> That's the one where Sean Connery comes back, right? That's the only thing I kind of remember about that movie. Yep, he know. comes back. Highlander, the end game. I have no idea. Steve? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. You guys are going to go both watch it tonight, right? <laughs> it's Highlander 2, The Quickening. Okay. Mm, okay. Sounds right when I hear it. <laughs> sure. Uh, Steve? Mm-hmm. Michael Canavan plays Kerneth, the tracer that likes to wipe those memories. He played the Vulcan advisor in the Right Stuff episode of Enterprise's second season. Name that episode. Good grief! I, I mean, can, I, I can offer a hint mm -hmm. if needed. Well, let me. Yeah. Um, I know. What, I know what you're talking about. Um, just trying to put it together here. Okay, I'll get. I'll take your hint. Uh, let's see. It was the first. Is that it? 
That was the first. Yeah, that, that, was, that, was, that was my hit. That was oh, it. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Sorry. Oh. You thought I was gonna, there was going to be more to it. Um, oh, geez. Um, it's like, and? Uh, so, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I know I'm going to notice when I hear it. Yes, you will. I, I, can, I can picture all the elements of it here and all that. Um, I'm, just, I'm not going to come up with it. No. Adam? First man. First flight. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. First flight. All right. So, wow, nobody got either one of those. And Steve got one from – no, who got one from last time? I forget. Steve. Steve got one. Okay. Uh, Steve has one. Moving on. Living Witness Season 4, Episode 23, Production Code 191. Original air date, April 29th, 1998. Directed by Tim Russ. Story by Brennan Braga. Teleplay by Brian Fuller, Brennan Braga, and Joe Minoski. Music composed by Dennis McCarthy. Guest cast include Henry Warnowich as Corin and Rod Ahrens as Daleth. When the Doctor's backup module is found... His program is brought back online for the first time in 700 years. In the future, Kyrian Museum of Heritage teaches a history that writes Voyager as playing a detrimental role in the beginning of their great war with the Vaskians. The Doctor is the only living witness and sets the record straight, but the new facts give way to old tensions from the formerly warring races, and the museum curator and the Doctor find themselves amidst violence and destruction. When diplomacy fails... There's only one alternative, violence. Force must be applied without apology. It's the Starfleet way. All right, I really, I like this episode a lot. I remember really being bananas for it when it first aired. And maybe some of the the tiniest bit of the luster has worn off over the years, but I still think it's pretty dang great. I really like it a lot. I'll have all positive things to say pretty much um let's see who else you both have so steve you want to start on this one yeah i think this is one of these examples of um i mean it's, it would it would have to be translated to fit with other shows or whatever but it's it's not just it's not just great star trek but it's a great science fiction premise and you know something that you can only tell in science fiction but it's um but it has lessons for us now and uh, it's it's fresh, it's interesting, um, and and of course this is this is pretty unique across Star Trek because everything we see has virtually no bearing on any kind of canon or history or our primary, certainly our primary cast. I mean, even even the Doctor in this is not really the Doctor, you know. I mean, what you see here, and then you see all these uh, alternate versions of the characters that are basically a simulation um and so on on the surface you would think well how does this have any bearing or how is this going to have any impact and you know when none of our people are involved in it yet they yet they pull it off because it's such an interesting idea uh what they're doing and it has such um again this idea that it's hard to talk about it without talking about what it's about it comes out right away when i'm speaking of it and that's i think what makes it so interesting and you know you have you have a mystery element which always helps in the storytelling too because from the get-go you're saying okay what is this what's going on here and then bit by bit you're learning this stuff and then you it's such a great teaser yeah it's it's the starfleet way i've always (laughs) yeah from behind and she turns around she's got those black gloves and yeah it's great really great teaser 
Right. So this is, I mean, you know, this isn't, this isn't the best episode of Trek. It may not be the best episode of Voyager, although it's, it's certainly one of the best, uh, probably by my, you know, maybe, um, certainly top 10, I think for me. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. And it, it's so it's so unique, you know. It's so unique for Trek, and it, they pull it off despite all of these things that should hinder it being a successful storytelling storytelling device, you know. Um, so anyway, I guess we'll just start there. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. Like you know, looking at the list of the three episodes I was going to be watching for this podcast, you know, and I saw the first and saw the second, and then I saw the third one. I thought, "Living Witness." Oh, great. You know, I was like, I was excited mm-hmm. about that episode, you know, <laughs> I, you know, I, that's how much, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's that good, right? Yeah. Yeah. A- Adam? Um, yeah, I think, I think Steve said it all. I think we can just stop right now. I think Steve got it all in. <laughs> all right. You guys have a good Here, week. Trivia questions. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, um, I want to go back to the, the tease because I didn't quite remember. I didn't really look at the episode list and I, it's fun. The tease was kind of fun for me because I was. It took me just a second to catch on to what what they were doing here. I was like, I don't quite remember. I was like, I don't remember a mirror mirror uh, mirror universe episode of Voyager. But that's kind of how they they almost tease that. Like this is going to be a mirror mirror a uh, mirror universe. Um, I keep saying mirror mirror. Sorry. Um, so that was kind of fun going into that and being the realization like, oh yeah, this is that episode. So that was just my fun part for the opening of it. But yeah, I mean, this episode is, it's great on a lot of different reasons. It asks a lot of um, cool questions about society, history, um, revised history. You know, what, what we know, is it true or is it not true? I mean, it's always, you know, it, it, it challenges you to always question what you believe or what you think is true. And I think that's kind of the message that they were trying to get out in this episode is like, just because the history books say this, or this person says this doesn't, doesn't necessarily make it. So you have to do your own investigation. You have to keep your eyes open. You have to keep, um, like I said, an open mind to what history is about. So many great little details. They, they subtly pronounce Chakotay's name differently. It's, and it's not like it's not like the silly way in the first yeah, couple yeah. seasons, but it, it but it's just enough that you can hear it. <laughs> like you hear Kim say it. I don't even remember how he says it. I think he says Chakotay. I don't remember. It's it's subtle, but then somebody else says it the same way. Okay, well that was intentional. It was in the scripts. And, you know, little stuff like that that that's fun. The the whole the whole storytelling device of you know we see it and then we pull back to see that we were watching a simulation and they do that a couple of times and it works really well. And then of course you get the amazing ending payoff, but well, let's talk about that for a second. I, you know, that ending. Whenever okay, I, earlier I was talking about in a mega directive, Chakotay expresses to Janeway that he would like to bring the senior staff in and for everybody to help. And instead of saying no, she says okay, and the episode takes a ter- very different narrative turn because she's listening. Near the end of this episode. The doctor is is offering to sacrifice himself and saying, look, this the best, safest thing for your society is for me to not turn it on turn it on it turn it on its head and look at the violence that just happened last night. You need to delete my programming. You know, and that kind of selfless act from the doctor, you think that's the end of the episode. And and it would have been a perfectly good up ending, right? It would have been a very a totally satisfactory ending and it would have been more about the doctor sacrificing himself for the greater good 
But instead, the scientist guy, I can't remember his name, Corin. Right, right. He explains why the doctor shouldn't do that and why they should work together. And the doctor says, okay, let's find that tricorder. And even then, you think, okay, that's a different ending than I expected. But that's, that's, a, that's a good ending. But it pulls back and gives you a really great payoff for the whole, you know, pull back and see that you're watching a simulation thing. And we see, I don't know, if they, I don't think they specify, but we're, we're looking at hundreds of years later, maybe, or something. And we see that their entire culture uh, not only survived, but thrived. And they, they, the, these different cultures came together. And it's such a, like, I don't know. It, oh, it's such a wonderful ending. I mean, Goosebumpy good ending. It's really great. I love it. It, it makes an already good episode. It, it takes the episode from being good to, you know, like you said, top, easily top 10, mm-hmm. period. It's so satisfying. Yeah, um, if CBS is listening, I want to see the animated series of the Doctor trying to get home by himself. <laughs> oh, yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah that is a nice, another nice little point, too, is uh, instead of the doctor seeing the Doctor being the one telling them this, they talk about his leaving after X number of years. The tiniest little criticism I could offer for this episode, I think that uh, the actor playing Corin, Henry Ronich, um, I mean, he's solid, but he's not like, I mean, he's not as good as, as Picardo in the scenes yeah. they have together. You know, he's not quite up to the Picardo. I think if he, his performance had been just a little bit stronger, that it really, you know, that was the only tiny, tiny weak thing in this episode. And it's not that he was bad. He just wasn't as great as everything else. I mean, probably in any other episode, he would have been fine. But in this one. He's the tiny weak link. So we're kind of already talking about what it's about, but you want to nail that one down? Yeah, like I, I was talking about earlier, and I kind of guess I got into it a little early. It's like, it's about questioning your beliefs and um, keeping an open mind. Is, you know, and I won't go into my big diatribe again, and I'll pass it on to Steve. I, I like that there's an actual scene, like the scientist guy, Corin, he, he turns off the doctor. He, he can't hear it. You know, this is his basic belief. These these are arguing against his these beliefs that he's had his whole life or whatever, and uh, he turns them off. And then we have a scene with him by himself, and he comes to the conclusion: I need to I need to turn this on and get at the truth, no matter where it takes me. Uh, and that's a that's a good moment and a good scene. That's the kind of example. On the other hand, that's the kind of scene where I feel felt like if his performance had been a smidge stronger, that scene would have worked even better. But yeah, I'm 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 with you there. Right, yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I think I think it's 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 such a good episode that it also kind of it has a kind of a core premise, but it also does raise other questions that are equally interesting. Uh, that you know, another episode might be lucky to even have those as its as its core premise. Like I think I think the core premise of you know digging at the truth that the getting at the truth is hard and it's costly and old, but ultimately is, um, ends in the, in the right place. You end up with the best result. If you just constantly strive for, you know, truth and what is right, even if getting there is so hard and doesn't seem like it's 
maybe even worth it, you know, initially, but, you know, that's, that I think is the core premise. And you also have these ideas of like, you know, we've all heard the, the, the idea of uh, history is written by the victors, but I don't think it's been explored oftentimes why that is, you know, it's often said in a way that, you know, the first thing you think of is history is written by the victors. So to make you look better in the history books, essentially, but this one also makes you think at it's also because to help, to help future generations be able to deal with it. You know, I mean, if you, you know, if, if, if when, when it's, when it's written that way by the victors, you can also tailor it to make it not feel like we're these awful people in this awful civilization for things that we did and created. And that, and that's, that's what this kind of gets at too. You know, this, they, they, they have trouble. What's so hard for him to accept initially is like, what, you know, my people were the ones who did these awful things. You know, I, I can't, I can't even take that, forget it, you know? And then of course he keeps digging and gets the truth like we talked about, but these are all such interesting ideas. And um, like I said, this is such a unique episode of, of Star Trek and it, and it does tackle those issues really well. All right, let's do six degrees for Living Witness. Steve has one. Are you going first or second? I'll go first. This episode features zero actual humans. How many other Trek episodes have done this? Hmm, interesting. <laughs> oh, gosh. I'm trying to think if there's any... Hmm. I guess I'll say zero. Yes, sir. Adam Henry Horanich, easy for me to say plays Quarren, the scientist that decides he wants the truth. He played the Klingon Lieutenant Dejan in the Next Gen episode, The Drumhead. What season was that? I'll give you a multiple choice. One, four, or six? I'll go four. Yes, it was four. Yay! All right. The day this this podcast will go live, I believe, is the the day the final episode for Discovery's second season will air. Right, right. So um, if you are listening to this episode 700 years from now, (laughs) (laughs) you can use that for reference. So I'm still still enjoying it. Mm -hmm. All right, folks, let's see. You can follow us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash Trek Companion. Our Twitter handle is at Trek Companion. You can send us an email trekcompanion at gmail.com we've had uh, several emails lately we appreciate that uh we we of course read them and and respond and uh appreciate your time and if you have an extra minute then we would love it if you leave us a review on itunes you give us five stars that's great if you've got even another extra minute you can give us five stars and leave a quick little review that is how people find us and we appreciate that very much so thank you very much for spending an hour with us and we're going to be back in two weeks to finish out Voyager's fourth season looking forward to that and until next time take it easy bye guys see you
Stefan and Pastor.